whole part of my sermon today was about how we often think about discipleship wrongly, but apparently our young people have just got that nailed down. So uh, perhaps it's obsolete. Hopefully not. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Jeff. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at Blue Mountain Community Church. And uh, Happy New Year's to you all. This is our first Sunday of 2024. Uh, a show of hands, how many people have already written 2023 down by accident and tried to turn the three into a four? Anybody? Yeah, we've got a few. The three doesn't turn into a four as well as the two turned into the three. That's what I'm realizing this year. The two, you can kind of just swoop around on the bottom, but the, the three, you just, you just scribble right over it. Not as nice. <laughs> well, I hope that 2024 has been good for you so far. Uh, Raven and I had some time to see family and do, you know those sorts of things over the Christmas holidays, so that was really lovely. But I'm also excited to be back together with you this morning. I'm looking forward to starting something new. If you were here last weekend, uh, we finished our series in the book of Philippians. We've been working away at the book of Philippians for a long time, and we took a break for Advent, and we did some weeks, four weeks of Advent, and we had Christmas Eve, and then we came back and we finished off the book of Philippians. And this week, today, we're starting up a series of sermons in the book of Psalms. And specifically, we're going to be looking at a, at a series of Psalms, a group of Psalms, which are called the Songs of Ascent. This is Psalm 120 to Psalm 135. And these particular Psalms are believed to be a part of a pilgrimage journey that Jewish people in Old Testament times would make. So three times a year, if you were a Jewish person in the Old Testament times, three times a year you would go on a pilgrimage journey from wherever you lived to Jerusalem to participate in the various things that happened, the ceremonies and rituals that happened those times of years, each one a different thing. And, um, you know, offer sacrifices, all those sorts of things. Now, Jerusalem, if you didn't know, this was a city on a hill. It was actually the highest altitude city in the whole area. So everybody who was pilgrimaging, is that a word? I don't know if that's a word. But everyone who was on their pilgrimage journey to Jerusalem, while they were on that journey, they were traveling upwards, right? And hence the title of these songs, the Songs of Ascent, because they're ascending up to Jerusalem. But I don't think it was simply a practical reality, right? This idea of these being songs of ascent. I think that there's something more there. I think it's also perhaps there's a metaphorical idea that people were, were traveling, that God's people were traveling to meet with him, right? That's these festivals they were going to, this time of year, these, these practices they're going to be a part of, they were traveling in a very intentional way to meet with God. They were on a journey, what we could refer to as a, as a pilgrimage journey, and it was this ascent, right? Eugene Peterson says that uh, in these songs and on this journey, people were living out a life lived upwards towards God. So each of the Psalms in this journey, each of the Psalms from 120 to 135, the people would have sung together as they went on this journey. They would have spent time reciting it and praying it and singing it. And each of the songs, they have a central kind of theme about them. And it's a, it's a reminder for them as they're on this journey, as they're on this ascent, about what it means to walk faithfully. What it means to be a, a person, one of God's people. Each of these psalms is an invitation into one kind of idea. And they're not exhaustive, 
right? So they don't cover all of the different facets of what it means to be a follower of God. But it's a pretty good hymn book for us to lean into. It's a, it's a pretty great reminder of what it looks like for us to live lives with this upward orientation towards God. And so what we're going to do over the next coming weeks is, um, is we're going to explore some of these ideas. Um, each week we're going to have a different one of these psalms and we're going to journey through it together. We're going to explore that theme and we're going to ask questions about what that means for us. If we're seeking to follow after Jesus, then what does it mean for us, this idea, and how does that shape the way that we live, and how does that shape the way that we seek after God and learn to, to, to work and move and exist in this world that we live in? What does it mean for us to be disciples of Jesus? Really, that's the central question that we're trying to answer and engage with and, and ponder over the next coming weeks. And so as we do this, it's, this isn't just straight out of my brain. We're actually following along with a work that was produced by Eugene Peterson, the pastor and theologian. He did the message translation of the Bible. It's probably the thing that he's most famous for. But he wrote this wonderful book, which is called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And it's uh, Discipleship in an Instant Society, it was, I think was the subtitle. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's his metaphor. I think he actually borrowed it from Nietzsche. But that's his metaphor that he uses to talk about this journey of discipleship. We'll get to that. But, but today, we aren't actually beginning with the Psalms. Instead, we're starting with Jesus' great commission to his followers. That was the passage of Scripture that Josh read for us earlier. He did an excellent job. And uh, the words may have been familiar to you. If you've been around church for a while, you're probably familiar. You've probably heard these words read before. He said, go, and this is Jesus talking to his followers, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And it's a particularly interesting passage because I think that sometimes we've gotten it very wrong as the church. There have been periods in the history of the church where we have made a big focus, this is one of the ways we've gotten it wrong, periods in the history of the church where we have made a big focus on the word go. Go and make disciples, right? That's how we've kind of thought about it. And the implied idea that we got was the only important missions that we really did as a church were the missions that were taking place overseas, right? The people who went overseas to do a missionary journey, those were the real missionaries. And us here, we just kind of got to be Christians. They were on mission. We really focused on the go part of it rather than the make disciples part. There have been other times in the history of the church where, um, you know, we've been very interested in teaching people to think the right things or at least be able to repeat them. And other times when baptism was by far the most important thing. And, and all of these things are important, right? All of these things are valuable, but in the Great Commission, the key imperative phrase, the key command is not go, it's actually make disciples. And I think about, you know, what I was raised in and how I was raised to interpret this. And while it wasn't necessarily wrong, it was so much less, I think, than it could have been. So let me be a little bit more explicit 
uh, to explain what I mean. Uh, and I'm not sure if this will resonate with you or not. But sometimes when I was growing up as a Christian, it felt like we could have replaced the words make disciples with the words make converts. I'll say that. So, so for me, sometimes when I was growing up as a Christian, it felt like when we heard the Great Commission, we could have replaced the words, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, we could have replaced those with go and make converts. And no one would have really noticed a thing if we'd done that. But Jesus didn't ask for converts. He desires that we become his disciples, that we go on this pilgrimage, lifelong journey of following after him rather than popping in for some salvation and then continuing off on our own way, right? And I'm not sure why, but this, this word discipleship seems to be a bit of a slippery one, right? Our kids had it pretty on lock, but, but if you grew up in the church, you've probably heard it a lot, right? Like people talk about discipleship, especially like all the time, like this is just, you know, everywhere you go, discipleship, this is, that's what we need. We need better discipleship programs or better, like discipleship is just this word that is quite ubiquitous. You've probably heard a lot of it, but I'm never quite sure that anyone knows exactly what they mean when they're saying it. So we're beginning this sermon series today, technically, and it's a sermon series in the Psalms of Ascent, but we're, we're, and we're going to be talking regularly about what it means for us to be disciples as we journey through the Psalms of Ascent, but today I thought that it would be helpful on the first Sunday, instead of starting off right into Psalm 120, to just take a moment and do a little bit of a defining of terms. This is a different kind of a sermon, but, um, but I thought it would be helpful for us to, be, to just have a really solid handle together on what we mean when we say disciple or we say discipleship. Does that sound, does it make sense? Yeah? So I think the metaphor that I sometimes, I think, I know, the metaphor that I sometimes like to use is a metaphor of marriage, right? So Raven and I, we've, we've journeyed with a few young couples as they're deciding to get married and as they're leading up to the big day, we do some pre-marriage counseling with them. We'll usually work through a book with them and we'll share some of our own experiences and we'll invite the couple to ask questions and just build some relationship with them. And uh, we pray with them and we pray for them. And it's been something that we really enjoyed doing together. So I want you to imagine this. So imagine that Raven and I are doing pre-marriage counseling with a young couple. And we get into our first meeting and this is what I say. I say, really, like, it's all quite simple. You just get up you say a few vows, we sign some papers, and bam, that's a marriage. Not anything else you really need to know. After that, you just live happily ever after. Would that be good advice? <laughs> that would be terrible advice, right? I, I, don't even, like, I don't think there's any bit of that that would have been even a little bit helpful. It probably would actually be harmful. But I, I, think, I think this has been the kind of thing that we have done as Christians when we've talked about conversion versus discipleship. As if, as if they're the same thing. When we've talked about them like the same thing, when we replace make disciples with make converts, this is the kind of advice we've given to new Christians. You say a prayer, and you're saved, and that's it. You're done. It's over. And of course, this isn't what we do, right? Like We'll, we'll often give the advice that Raven and I, when we're counseling with a, with a new married couple, we'll often give them the advice or a couple to be married that you don't end up with the person that you married. That's the kind of, you know, because especially if you're young, 
there is still a lot of changing that's going to happen. There's a lot of growing that's going to happen. Your life, there's, you know, there's a lot left in that story. You're on a journey. And if you're deciding to get married, you're choosing to figure out how to do that together. And it probably won't look the way that you imagined it on your own. And probably, you know, 50 years from now, you both will be a very different person than you were when you started this thing together. But the goal is that you attune to one another, that you journey together, that you love and care and listen to one another in such a way that that transformation that you go through actually binds you together more and more and more. And it likely will not look the way that you imagined it on your own. You join together, though. You make discoveries and sacrifices together. And it can be really hard sometimes, right? Like Raven and I try to be vulnerable with young couples. about it. This can be hard. This is work. But also, it is absolutely something worth spending the rest of your life figuring out with someone that you love. And I think that that, that that is a closer picture to what discipleship is than the conversion event right? Discipleship is this long journey that we enter into day over day, week over week, month over month, studying at the foot of the cross, following after our Lord, entering into relationship, building a friendship, nurturing a love, right? It's not a moment or an event. It is an ever unfolding journey. And sometimes, it is deeply challenging. That's true. The journey of discipleship is deeply challenging sometimes. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, there's not a lot of verses where it's like, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. There's not like a, a here's the perfect, you know, you've got Paul says, follow after me as I follow after Christ. Maybe that's a picture of discipleship. But there's not a lot of perfect ones, but there are things that Jesus says, if you, to specific people, if you want to be my disciple, you must, right? And usually the words that come after that are hard, Right? Um, you know, you must pick up your cross and follow me. Or I think, is it Mark's gospel where it says you must, you must pick up your cross daily and follow me. There's, there's challenge, there's hardship. But just like we said about marriage, a marriage that, you know, Raven and I counseling with a, a young couple, but it is worth it. But there is good and beauty and wonder that you you know, that we can't comprehend in this journey as well, right? There's something worth pursuing. And I think that that's the same when we come to speak of discipleship. Yes, it can be deeply challenging, but it can also be so very good. And even in the midst of those challenges, his mercies are new each morning, right? So actually, I think that this is language, this idea, this picture of discipleship as an ongoing journey that we are on rather than as an event or a moment of conversion. I think that this language is, is something that our church has actually done really well with. So does anyone, actually this is a great question, does anyone who is not currently serving on the board or has, has been on the board, does anyone able to answer the, this question? What is our mission statement as a church? Anybody know? It's on the website. I haven't, like, I don't think I've explicitly stated it in a sermon in my time here, though. I hear whispers. 
bringing everyone one step closer to Jesus. And that's the interesting thing about it being one step, right? Is that we know that's an ongoing process, right? Like, you don't, you don't step one and then you're done. There's kind of implied in that, that's a one step, and then there's another step, and then there's another step, and we enter into this ongoing journey. As a church, bringing everyone one step closer to Jesus, this is what we seek to do. This is our hope, that through what we do, everyone would come closer to Jesus. And, and we go about it in a whole bunch of different ways, right? So this can happen through teaching about the Bible. Absolutely, we can learn about Jesus. We can grow closer to him through, through studying his word. It can also happen through worshiping, right? When we worship and we, we just are able to be present with him, we are able to lift our praises to him, like that builds wonder and, ador- and, and adoration in our hearts. We grow in love for him. We grow closer to him through that. That's beautiful. It can happen in kids' church and in youth group through the relationships of, of like mentors and teachers and, and, our, and our young people as we show them the love of Jesus and tell them about the love of Jesus and share with them stories about how we've experienced in their own lives and, and ignite some hope and excitement in their own lives and help them to identify it in their own stories. Like it can happen there. Discipleship can happen there, bringing them one step closer to Jesus, right? And it can also happen through Christmas parties, right? Through Christmas parties where we as a church family, we gather together and we just sit in the joy of one another's presence, like we can get one step closer to Jesus in that as well. That can be a part of a discipleship journey. And absolutely, it can also happen when we go out on mission to serve our neighbors. And in service of others, we encounter Jesus. We know that, that, that in, you know, we meet him in, in, in the least of these. So certainly like we, by going out on mission, we get to journey one step closer to Jesus. But also, we get to be ambassadors of Christ, demonstrating, showing to people what his love is like, how good his love is, and in that, inviting them one step closer to Jesus. Again, somehow, on a journey of discipleship, just getting closer and closer, seeking after this one. And yeah, of course, this is also work that happens in our missions that we do overseas. If we are doing it right, everything that we do as a church should somehow be connected to this idea of everyone, bringing absolutely everyone, inviting absolutely everyone just, just that little bit closer to Jesus. And everything we do and everywhere we go, just that, just that little bit closer. And it's all predicated on the belief that he is good, <laughs> right? That he's actually worth getting closer to, that there's, there's beauty and, and wonder there that is, that is worth pursuing. So somehow, this is connected, right? This is the actual, this is the process of discipleship. Not a one-time event, or even a 16-step program, or a, or a, you know, a 12-week book study. Those things might be tools on the journey of discipleship that we use, that bring us one step closer, but those are not discipleship, Right? Discipleship is the journey that we are on moving towards our Lord. I love the language that Eugene Peterson uses to describe it, that, that image, the title of the book, the long obedience in the same direction. He says, he goes on, he says that there's two key words that we can keep in our minds for, uh, and to think about as we're Christians and as we're followers of Jesus. 
and they go under this mantle of discipleship. It says the first is that we are disciples. And he defines disciples as people who spend our lives apprenticed. It's kind of like what Chrissy was bringing up earlier. We spend our lives apprenticed to our master, Jesus Christ. We are in a growing learning relationship always. This is still Peterson. He says, a a disciple is a learner, but not in the academic setting of the schoolroom, rather at the work site of a craftsperson. We do not acquire information about God, but skills in faith. Our tradition, the Free Methodist Church, we'd go on to say that this following after Jesus can take place in a lot of forms. This can happen in our serving. It can happen in our formal relationships with someone who is further along in the journey. Mentorship or or coaching. It can happen in groups and deep friendships. And one thing that I would add to what Peterson has said here is it, like those songs of ascent, the songs of ascent that we're going to talk about that that these these uh, followers, you know, God's people sang as they went on these pilgrimage journeys to this higher place, right? These songs that they sang would not have been songs that they sung alone. And what I can say about my own faith journey is that I have personally benefited immensely from strong Christian men and women who prayed for me and offered me wisdom and guidance and helped me along my journey towards a greater wholeness. This path of discipleship is one that is best walked together. And I think that's why Jesus you know, invited the church to gather, to come together, to meet together, because this happens best when we are together. The other words, so the first word was discipleship. Peterson said he had two words that we could hold in our minds about this whole idea of being a disciple. First was disciple. The other word that he said we could hold to, or you could keep our focus on, that we could be thinking about in this concept of discipleship, is that we are pilgrims. This is the idea that we are on a journey. He writes this idea that, that, uh, that being a pilgrim reminds us that, this is his quote, he says that we are people who spend our lives going someplace. All of us do, right? We are always going somewhere. As Christians, we spend our lives going to God, and the path for getting there is the way, Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we are always first a disciple of Christ, following after him as he leads us, right? So even Paul, when he was discipling people, he urged them to follow after him, but not just after him, but as he followed after Christ. Always first we follow Christ. But there are people along the way who may mentor us, who may guide us, who may coach us, who may help us, who may pray for us, all of these things to help us along our way as disciples of Jesus. So why am I talking about us being disciples when the passage today is the Great Commission, which was the sending out to make disciples? Because I really believe this. I really believe this is where it starts with us being disciples. So we can't follow after Jesus in this invitation to make disciples unless we are first living our lives as disciples. That's step one. So if we're going to carry out our mission as a church, if we want to invite others to come one step closer to Jesus, it means us living lives as disciples of Jesus. 
It means our taking one step closer and closer and closer to Jesus. It means remembering that we haven't arrived yet. That's an important part of it. And then stepping back on the path to follow him wherever it is that he leads us. It means listening, being attentive, right? Like Jen shared her word this year. That's, that's discipleship, right? She's saying, oh, I want to be attentive to what it is that God is doing. I want to follow after him each day where, where it is that he's leading me. It means being interested in a faith that goes beyond conversion and into something more. And if you'll forgive me, perhaps, for overusing the metaphor, it means that we're not just being worried about the wedding, but we're really investing in the marriage, right? So we don't, we don't have a specific pilgrimage that we can go and walk through in our area with stations and songs to sing. So that would be kind of neat if we did have that, I think. We don't have that here that I'm aware of. Maybe we do. You should tell me if we do. Um, though I, <laughs> but Jesus did not leave us without physical reminders. Today, we get to celebrate one of them in the form of communion. So communion is what we call a means of grace. It's one of the ways that God chooses to draw us to himself. And it is a gift. And a change to remember with gratitude and joy, a chance to remember with gratitude and joy the great love that he has for us. So we have as our church, if you didn't know, if you're new here, we have what's called an open table. Uh, what this means is that if you are a Christian, and whether you just took the first step towards Jesus that you've ever taken before, or you've been walking this path for many, many years, if you, would, if you are a Christian, you are welcome to participate with us this morning in taking of, uh, we're going to have bread and cup, bread and wine, I think it's actually grape juice, <laughs> bread and grape juice. Um, we're going to take of that as this act of remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus. So the, the bread is his body, which is broken for us. The wine is his blood, which was shed for us. And it's a reminder for us. So we're, I'm going to ask uh, Michael, because you were the welcome person today, and I didn't ask anyone to hand out <laughs> the communion <laughs> supplies. Um, and uh, these will be passed around. And I'm, I'm going to have a reading that we do. We typically we read. So I'm going to have a reading that we do, but you can get the, there's a wafer in the top, and then underneath you get to the, the juice. And so... Um, you just want to start passing that. Uh, so you can get that first one open because that's always the hardest one as we're passing them out. And then, uh, and then hold on to it though because this is something, again, right, that this discipleship, these things, it's best done together. And so even as we take communion today, this is something we're going to hold it and we will take it together, united as the body of Christ, right, as the church so that's the invitation. I'll give it just a moment for everybody to get their, um, their cups and get them open. And then, uh, and then I'll have a reading and we'll take of these elements together. And then I think after that, uh, I'll pray and then we'll have the worship team back up for another song. So um, just give you a moment here. And uh, here's the invitation. So when we come, when we do this thing, we take communion together, there is always an invitation to examine our hearts. Right? So we're coming and we're, we're partaking in something that's really beautiful. It's also sacred. Right? This is really precious to us as Christians that we, we enter into this you know, obedient act of remembering, like Jesus asked us to, his death, 
on for our sins, and also of uh, of it's actually it says in in First Corinthians of proclaiming when we come together and we take of this, we proclaim his death and resurrection. And so as we prepare for that, we can actually take a moment. I'll invite you to take a moment to just to just listen, right? To do a little bit of that listening and see if there is anything that God puts on your heart. Maybe there is something that you need to, that he's just laid on your heart. Perhaps you need to confess. You just need to bring before him and ask for his forgiveness. And then as we take and eat, we get to receive that. So I'll give you just a moment. I'm going to open up mine and then we have a reading and we're going to, we're going to take of this together. Lord, thank you for the gift of your son, for your great love and your willingness to come, to be with us, to live with us, and then to die for our sakes. Thank you that you desire to be in relationship with us and that you would come so far to be with us. God, as we prepare to take communion, to to intentionally and in a physical, tangible way, remember these things that you've done for us, God, I just pray that you would fill our hearts you would fill our hearts with gratitude and with joy, that truly we would take of this as a celebration of your goodness, that it would be something that is unifying and healing, that it draws us into health together as a church. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. And then we read, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to invite the worship team back up and we're uh, we're just going to respond with some worship. Well, I love that that's where we end because that's actually where the Great Commission ends as well, right? The command to go and make disciples, but also with the promise that he will never leave us, right? That he will always hold us. So today, let this step that we took be one of many that brings us closer and closer to our Lord. And may you invite many others to join you along the path. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.